Dearly beloved, we are gathered here to honor the memory of Dick Diesel the Wolf Weasel, who tragically passed away when attending a hardcore band's concert, ironically dressed in an Avril Lavigne t-shirt. I am told that the band was... I'm sorry, can you... Can you what does that say? What is the name of that band? It's written really weird. Uh, 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 it's not Rockets. <laughs> oh, 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 I see it. Yes. With Z's. Okay. Uh, snot, the Snot Rockets. Uh, tragically pummeled to death in the pit for being a poser. He is now remembered here by one of his fellow posse members. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, what was your name again, sir? Uh, uh, my name, my, my name is uh, uh, Whippy. All right, Wh- Whippy. Uh, 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 yeah, that's cute. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, people get it wrong all the time, man, about Dickie. Like, people think he was a poser, but he wasn't a poser. He was just challenging what it meant to be punked by being the most nihilistic he possibly could. Because, like, Richard Hell walked around with Please Kill Me written on a T-shirt, and he figured, like, what better way to, like, instigate in response to wear a poser shirt. And a response he instigated indeed. Please join us after the service out in the lobby for what I'm told is donuts and cigarettes. Donuts... And cigarettes. Yeah, pizza get backed out. Oh, I see. Still got cigarettes, though. All right. Now to, now we will clear the stage as his favorite band, the Snot Rockets, take to it to play another song. I'm being told that... Oh, Kick My Ass to Hell is the name of the song. How delightful. Welcome, uh, welcome to Ruben Uncut. I'm once again talking with my good friend, um, uh, fellow improviser and lifelong (laughs) punk. Please welcome back Gato. Yeah, it's me, Gato, from the Ruben Dogs for Everybody episode. (laughs) Yes. Um, so, so Gato, I've asked you here today to, uh, well, mostly to talk to me, because I'm lonely, uh, but mainly... (laughs) But we decided today we would talk about uh, punk rock. Yes. And, uh, and um, some of your experiences with punk rock. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we should do a little bit of a, an intro for punk rock itself. Yeah, uh, yeah, we could do that. For, uh, for the audience. Uh, if you had to describe punk rock, how, what would you say to a, a lay person? Well, at its base level, punk is... Um, was started as a rejection of uh, corporate rock sounds of the 70s, you know, like where every band was like uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival or Grand Funk Railroad, just like 
obnoxious, like broy kind of chest beating rock uh, that was very popular at the time. And uh, because those songs were so meandering and just like never ended. And it was also kind of a rejection of like hippie jam rock too. Cause that just because of like how it wasn't really edgy enough or do or something or uh, fun enough. Yeah. Um, so that's why punk started as a rejection of that. So it's like, okay, they have really long meandering songs. Our stuff's going to be done in two minutes or less. Most times. <laughs> Unless... um, it, it, uh, we're going to like, yeah, they have long hair and like fringy buckskin jackets and mustaches and stuff. We're going to have really fucked up looking hair and no facial hair. And we're going to dye our hair different colors. And we're going to look like we're wearing trash bags or SM gear or whatever. And we're going to just prove that even though we can't play very good, we are having more fun than you. And this is truer to what rock is supposed to be than what you are doing is what they're what. The initial thing with punk was, and then when the that was first, so that was like kind of, kind of uh, rooted in like uh, bands from the late '60s and early to mid '70s that were coming out. Like uh, I've heard, I've heard referenced as a as like a point of like early punk would be something like. like the New York Dolls. Yes, yes. That 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 was that's actually how I got into punk too. But like uh, bands like the New York Dolls. Uh, Iggy and the Stooges, uh, MC5, um, which is what how, like uh, their song "Kick Out the Jams." A uh, lot of dumbasses think that that means like, oh yeah, let's party and play really fast music. And it's like no, like "Kick Out the Jams" means like stop playing jam band songs. <laughs> like, <laughs> "Kick Out the Jams" means get rid of the jams. So like that intro where it says like "Kick Out the Jams, motherfuckers," that's what the MC5 used to yell at hippie bands. <laughs> And they would get escorted out most of the time. <laughs> of course, of course, they were the they were the reaction. The yeah, reaction. and then um, so and but it didn't really punk the first like uh, there's a lot of contention in, among like punks and punk historians. Some people think punk didn't really become punk till '77 and like the and like the Sex Pistols and stuff like that. Um, but I, and some people, and I fall into this camp, think that punk started in '74 when the first Ramones record came out. Okay, uh, because that was the sound that everybody gravitated towards. Like this is what punk. It's is still punk. also the it's still also like the main sound that like more mainstream punk today mm-hmm. tries to emulate in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pop punk loves yeah. Ramones kind of chord structure. Um, and the Ramones in of themselves were kind of poppy too, looking back, like especially because, like, uh, I mean, uh, they sang poppy songs about things, yeah, like about like sniffing glue and prostituting yourself for heroin and stuff like that, yeah, like, yeah. Um, and then, like, uh, there's also like, and then New York from the New York Dolls, there were like splinters off of that, like, they had Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers that were doing like kind of like a 50s rock mixed with punk kind of sound. Um, I, I love Johnny Thunders. <laughs> that's how I got but uh that but that's the first wave up till about like 70 and uh it wasn't called punk right away at first it was actually called new wave <laughs> I thought new wave I thought new wave was what happened in the 80s isn't that what they called um, that's like... that's what the name was applied to but punk was referred to as new wave by music critics and okay. uh and uh, record labels and stuff because I didn't know what else to call it and uh they got the name punk from punk magazine which was like a publication in New York that Legs McNeil uh, had a hand in. And I forget the other two guys that were involved. 
Um, it was like basically if Beavis and Butthead ran Vice, that's what Punk Magazine was. Okay. Um, but uh, Legs McNeil was like the reporter who would like ask fans questions and they wouldn't ask stuff like, oh, did you get your band name? What does this lyric mean? It'd be stuff like, do you like burgers? What kind of burgers do you like? Hey, look at this cartoon that I have. Like, just like random stuff. Like, it would just be like a conversation that they recorded. And, you know, punk being punk, everybody was probably drunk or on something. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yep. so that was, so that, so that's how punk rock got its name because those were like rock bands that were interviewed for punk magazine, punk rock. And like that, that's like a New York term and it took off in the States and then like uh, England eventually caught up. Um, but, and then, uh, that's how, that's how it kind of stuck. And then, uh, around like, yeah, around like 79 is when the first wave stopped because that's when record labels were like, holy shit, people like this and we can make monies. Give me. And then like the Ramones got signed to a huge label. Sex Pistols got signed to a big label too, but nobody, all the, uh, Sex Pistols jock sniffers never mentioned that. Sex (laughs) Um, Pistols, the Sex Sex Pistols histories kind of hilarious yeah it's funny but also incredibly scary and sad especially if it's Sid Vicious like I don't like uh Johnny Rotten and uh uh Steve Jones and Paul Cook like those guys like they had their little things with like uh being uh you know like rough like rough like working class childhoods and the sketchy parts of London and, and all that but like Sid was just like a dumpster fire from the second he was born and he was a piece of shit too. <laughs> he died when he was 21. But like, and, and because of that, he's like a martyr for punch. Like for some reason, dude, like uh, some people are still like all about Sid Vicious. And like, that's supposed to be like an entryway. Like you get into the Sex Pistols and you get into the real shit from there. Uh, but like, there are still plenty of punks my age who are still like dressing like Susie Sue and fucking John and like spiking their hair and like putting Vaseline in their hair and wearing padlock necklaces even though Sid Vicious like I mean uh domestic abuse was a big thing with him I mean Nancy would give it right back to him they were both shit backs but like th- th- still that was a thing um he w- did fucked up stuff to animals a lot a lot of people like that that is documented in I don't know how many sex pistols documentaries but still people are just like oh Sid so sad Sid and Nancy oh my god like no they were two shit bag heroin addicts that did what shitbag heroin addicts do <laughs> but uh, yeah that, that's that's like another i i have a sex pistols poster because i also am guilty of sid vicious worship but, but the thing is i turned 20 and i watched some sex pistols documentaries i was like oh sid's kind of a shithead but i still have my sid vicious poster because that way i know that could have been me <laughs> <laughs> it's good to it's good to know where you didn't make the wrong choices in history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, eventually, like, I got out of the pistols, like, pretty bad anyway. Like, I still, like, uh, and also Seditious didn't play on any of the albums. Nothing. He, had, uh, he, yeah. was, in the ho- he was in the hospital with hepatitis. In the, in, and, in I mean, they, he ba- I mean, like, they, they'd unplug his amp when they yeah, were in yeah, concerts. He couldn't, fuck, he couldn't fucking play. He didn't write any songs. He was an okay vocalist. I'll give him that. Like, I've heard recordings of, like, the post-Sex Pistols phase when he was living in New York and, like, had a ba- and had a backup band with, like, uh, uh, the drummer from the New York Dolls was in it. And I think, like, Richard Hell played a couple shows. So, like, he had friends that, like, were actually good. And then he was just, like, do vocals. And he wasn't terrible at vocals. But he, he couldn't play bass, and he was a shitty drummer. He used to play drums in a band called Flowers of Romance that were god-awful. Uh, 
but uh yeah so that just sucks but uh and then 79 sorry anyway, 79 i just <laughs> um sex I, just love breakup. This, I just love the story of how they were formed yeah, like, yeah, cause, yeah, like a guy who ran a beat, uh, uh, S&M store decided yeah. he wanted to start a punk band. And he was a like, former record executive and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, he wanted, him, he, like, yeah. People would come into his store and like ask him to like rep him up, like get them into the music industry all the time. And he was like, no, no, no. And then he got his own idea to do it. And, if, I, and here, how, you'll help me fill in the blanks here, but I know like one of them he caught shoplifting from him. Yeah, a couple of them, yeah. One of them, he just saw him on the street, I, and he had a shirt that said Pink Floyd, but he had he had added like he had added the word "sucks" on it. Yeah, that seems like something that one of them would do. I could see that. <laughs> uh, they also hated the Beatles. Like that's part of the reason. Like that helped cement the bar chord uh, progression in punk because uh, from the Pistols case. Uh, their bassist that they had before Sid Vicious, who could actually play, a guy by the name of Glenn Matlock, he's still alive and he moonlights with Blondie right now. But uh, he's the one who actually like wrote the songs and then he would show Steve Jones how to play it on guitar. But Steve didn't like shape chords, like, you know, that weren't just do this up and down the neck with three fingers. Um, and uh, when uh, Matlock would try to teach him, he'd be like, uh, I don't fucking want to play beetle chords, dude. So. <laughs> show me some other ways like okay it's gonna be really annoying to play now <laughs> so he did everything bar chords and that's <laughs> that cemented it because the dude didn't want to play chords that the beatles would play that's uh that's a real contrarian attitude yeah <laughs> yeah and that, and that and like first wave of punk was kind of like just kind of silly i mean the sex pistols that's one thing that they did create was like kind of was like poly- using it as a vehicle to be like leftist politics mm-hmm. um so I'll give them credit there, but England did not invent punk. It was around for several years before the English got into it. And like the Clash were around even before Pistols. Like I don't know how many English punk bands' backstory is. We went to a Clash concert and decided to become a band. <laughs> That's how Crass got started. That's how the Exploited got started. <laughs> like all I these like like the- big. I like yeah, the, the Clash is cool. Yeah, like I, like uh, that's something like I liked their output up to and including London Calling when I was in my twenties. But now I'm starting to appreciate their later output too, and it was more experimental. Except for Cut the Crap, Cut the Crap is dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic, but, but uh, yeah. So so like, uh, but seventy nine hit. You know, Sex Pistols break up, Sid Vicious dies, and all that crap. Um, and then that's when Wave Two started. And with and uh, with uh, England, kind of spirit. England and LA were like the only two places like doing punk in earnest at that point, from what I can gather. Um, and uh, that's, but, that's I mean, punk the being punk. I've gotten, yeah, yeah. As far as like uh, being in the net, like eye of the media and stuff, there was the, I, punk being punk. There's no way it completely died out. There's probably still bands playing it. It's just like. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't getting booked. Like people, it, there wasn't news reports. Like, oh, so shocking! Look at this kid's hair. You know, shit like that. So, so I've I've also watched a few uh, punk documentaries. I've never been a, I've never been a huge music guy to be honest. But like, there's something like fascinating about punk. Mm-hmm. Like just just like like to listen to it to like look into the culture is it's very it's very fascinating. So I've watched a few documentaries on it, mm-hmm. and. Um, I watched one where it was in, it talked a little bit about the intersection of um, 
Elvis Costello and like Patti Smith mm-hmm. as part of like that more like proto part. Yeah, yeah. Where, they, um, that, where there was a defined sound. I mean, like punking New York is rooted in like uh, underground theater movements. Like there was that like there's like yeah, it was like drag based stuff like Andy Warhol. Like hung Makes out with first first wave with like proto punk bands. Velvet Underground are they considered? Uh, are they considered punk or proto punk or anything? They're they're proto. Yeah, like uh, the, like uh, I haven't met uh, the people that I met that are really into the Velvet Underground because like I don't mind Lou Reed, but like Velvet Underground's <laughs> kind of eh, to me. Like it's it's just on its base level, it just sounds like really like it's like hippie rock if they did a lot of heroin. Basically, that's basically what Velvet is. <laughs> Um, like I like, uh, but that's one of those albums that every punk tr- it makes themselves listen to at least once because that's where everything's rooted. Oh, okay. And uh, and then like, th- and that's where Patti Smith comes in too because she did like poetry theater because that's what it, it wasn't music for a while. It was just like you know, like people like uh, Wayne, Con- uh, like uh, Wayne Co- uh, County, like there's like drag queens and uh, poets and like uh, beatnik type people or people who used to be beatniks that didn't know what to do. Like that, that it was very like kind of beat poet, but a little more scary <laughs> like, at first. And then, then the New York Dolls came out and Iggy and the Stooges and it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, this, this, this is what we should really do. Really <laughs> But uh, yeah, and then second wave, you had bands like, but uh, yeah, that's how it started, which I think is fascinating too. But and like second, and then it got further and further away from that with like the mm-hmm. uh, second, starting with the second wave, because that's when hardcore became a thing. Okay. And uh, punk and hardcore um, are, hardcore is a sub genre, offshoot of punk, which is in of itself an offshoot. <laughs> of, 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 of like pub rock and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh yeah, band, like uh, hardcore stuff, like all the LA bands that have like half a dozen documentaries made about them, like, you know, like the Germs, Circle Jerks, Black Flag, and then like over in stuff like that. And then you had the stuff out in England, like Exploited. And uh, England kind of kept the political thing going for a while, from what I have noticed through the years, because um, like the exploited were always like anarchy, good, blah, but they're like really like self destructive. Wait, like, what, the, what was like that? Ex- uh, which one? What was that one? Uh, like, um, like that? I think they were British. Um, I could be confusing myself. But they had, I'm forgetting their name right now, but they had like the really, they had like the really long songs and they all lived on like an anarchist art. Oh, that's, that's crass. That's crass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah I like crass that's, you showed me that. Yeah, that's one, of, that's one of my favorites too. And they had a, they had like a little label going with other bands that sounded kind of like they did, like Honey Bane, Flux of Pink Indians, Rudimentary P.I., uh, stuff like that. Uh, Oi Polloi, sort of. Um, but uh, the, the crass were very arty type people too they were very um of varying degrees steve ignorant like, i don't know if like the male vocalist in crass seems like he was just kind of like okay yeah i can we could do anarchy stuff i like living out in the country 
the, um, if you've ever seen pictures of Crass, like the, the reason that it, like that, like Steve ignorant always looks really stiff and like angry, uh, that's because he would get so nervous. He still to this day has anxiety when he goes on stage and he like clenches up like that because that's the only way he can get through it. And then he gets a little better as the show goes along. He, he kind of like loosens up a little bit. Like I've seen it, but like he's just, yeah, like you don't go to, from what I've read, you didn't go to a Crass show to like, pogo in the pit like you went to a crash show to just like kind of observe <laughs> and like they, and not a lot of photographs of them exist because they insisted on playing either in like very low lighting or only fluorescent light <laughs> because they did That's not it. want to because they wanted it to be like as like low frills as possible so no lighting crews they would do their own sound so usually they probably sound like shit <laughs> Because they didn't want to be like, because they rebelled against bands like the Sex Pistols and and later the Exploited. <laughs> Fascinating. But, yeah, um, but yeah, second wave was like that's where the real self destructive stuff, like uh, stereotypes, came in and kind of cemented. Because like even if don't 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 get it wrong, like first wave they were a bunch of drunken on drugs idiots too, but uh, it wasn't considered like this is what punks are supposed to do. It was, we are, we were drunk and on drugs already. And now we're playing punk rock in the first wave. But now it's like, no, we got to do drugs because it helps us like rebel against society. You can't tell me what to do. My body government. <laughs> and, and some of that still persists to this day, unfortunately. <laughs> so let's, so let's, uh, I feel like we've given a, a- yeah, that's and then after that it was just nineties and that's some like war yeah. tour Nirvana. Like Nirvana kicked off a third wave and now it's now we're this is like wave four or five, depending on where, who you ask. But like punk's kind of underground again, except for pop punk. So yeah. It was so grunge is um recognized or acknowledged as, as having a um as as having a relationship mm-hmm. punk? Oh yeah, yeah. Um like uh, that's what Kurt Cobain was listening to. I mean he wasn't listening to like just punk he also liked the uh, bands like the vaselines and uh um shogun knife and stuff like that uh who were that very like bubble gummy kind of sound to him yeah kurt like kurt loved that shit yeah <laughs> and, and i, I kind of like it too a little bit i put it on every now and then but uh yeah like nirvana is what started the third wave because they were like they couldn't really play that good they didn't really sing as much as they kind of just yelled or wailed i mean eventually kurt kind of sang a little bit but still like really gruff and raw and all that but that but that's when like and then nirvana said here's what we listened to and it was bands like you know black flag and the sex pistols and like all these punk bands and people were like oh i want to listen to these punk bands because nirvana says they're cool and then uh record labels were like people are buying the old punk stuff from 20 years ago but sign more punks find find them nice. and then that's how bands like rancid and no effects and uh like all that got started in green day those guys too and uh Blink 182 technically as well actually yeah no. <laughs> I, I don't i don't mind blink 182 anymore like I, they're not my favorite thing i don't choose to listen to them but i like that they know what they are and they don't take themselves too seriously that's fair they seem like fun guys to pal around with <laughs> i'll be honest when i when i was young i couldn't stand blink 182 <laughs> yeah i remember that was actually one of the first exposures to punk that i had was Blink-182 and Green Day. Because I vaguely, I don't remember when, and I didn't know what punk was, but I was like eight or nine years old, and we uh, 
had just moved stateside and one of my cousins burned me a copy of green day's first album okay and, and i didn't understand what it was and so but that was my first exposure to punk was green day's first record and then uh, all the small things <laughs> 182 because that was all the rage when i was in middle school yeah no like i remember when i was uh yeah when i was like middle school age to teenage age there was uh I remember all like all the other kids seemed to be listening to it. That was uh, yeah. Um, I th- well, a lot of it is well. First, you know, all the small things is really poppy and catchy. But like uh, it, it Blink One Eighty Two was edgy, but in a very adolescent way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. like you know, one of their one of their albums called, called "Take Off Your Pants and Jacket." Oh yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Enema of the State. So like, you know, it's kind of edgy, but your parents are just more going to groan than they are going to go, <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> you yeah. It's fair. I, I Like, I think that's why, like, so many Saturday morning cartoon soundtracks are trying to, like, theme songs try to sound like them in, like, mm-hmm. the, the 90s and 2000s. I, I mean, shit, isn't Chuck E. Cheese basically a little pop punker now? <laughs> Uh, that's what he was adapted to, yeah. <laughs> Riding the skateboard wearing yeah, Converse. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. And, and he works and it's a pizza place, like you know, pop punks and their pizza. <laughs> you know, if I'm big like I can't so like I couldn't say that I could not say that Tony Hawk uh Pro Skater was probably the, was like one of my early exposures because it and it really wasn't. Because when I grew up like when I grew up, like, in the hippie uh, commune community, there was always at least one stray punk walking around. Like, there was, like, yeah, uh, like there yeah, was at the, least always one punk and, like, the periphery of my, my, of my, of my childhood existence. <laughs> um, I remember there was this one guy when, I, when my parents worked at the Akron Co-op who, uh, it, it, I always thought he was really cool because he was the first person I met who, like, dyed his hair all the time. <laughs> Uh, and, and he, like, wore leather jackets and stuff. Uh, and he, I believe, his, he, I think he gave my parents a van at one point. Uh, I could be misremembering <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, punks that have vans a lot because you got to haul around the crew and something. <laughs> I want to say his name was Warren. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, no. And then, like... Um, and then, like, I know I, I like, um, I used to be in a children's theater group uh, where Jimmy Image would do our stuff. Oh, yeah. I remember you telling me about that. And yeah. I think we talked to him at uh, uh, Last Exit or something. I didn't know it was him until later. And I was like, Carter, I was like, what? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah Zero, du- yeah, Zero Dupex is cool. Um, and the bassist is the guy who wrote Hardcore Zen. I actually yeah. have had a connection to Jimmy Image from, like, when I was super young, before even I was in those plays, too, is because um, his uh, his daughter uh, used to live on the commune for a period of time with my family. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, yeah, and that was cool. Um, so we were good friends as kids. And then later I met him when I was uh, working with New World Children's Theater. And we used to put on our shows at the Mantis stage um, in Kent, which is um, which used to be like... A very much punk rock concert <laughs> venue in that area. Like, I, calling it a concert venue is a lie. It's like, now it's, they like, they turned into a record store at one point. Oh, was that with the one that used to be Turnip? Yeah, Turnip. Yeah, yeah, I went yeah. to the show at Turnip a couple times. 
they well they have a stage back there and that used to be where uh mm. new york children's kids would do our plays but like in between our plays uh there would always be like punk bands playing there uh like um allergic to horrors used to play i did not hear any of these bands but i read their names constantly because all the posters and stuff uh but like allergic to horrors used to play there all the time and a band called Kill the Hippies used to play. I know, Kill, I've seen Kill the Hippies. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're they, kind of like, yeah, they're old, uh, old Akron, Cleveland actually, area. Uh, there's, there's video of Devo uh, playing. Yeah, yeah, I forgot like, they're from Kent. Holy shit. Um, like, I saw that in a documentary once. I was like, holy shit. I did a plays on a stage where Devo performed? <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, Kent, Kent is Kent is a cool spot like that. Like uh, uh, Joe Walsh played there. Like I I've done shitty stand up sets on a stage that Joe Walsh is to play on. Uh, I'm but, not surprised by that either. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, forget what we were where we were. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I got into punk from like you know it becoming corporatized, but so did a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Um but like there was a while where when i was in high school where like punk was all like i didn't i started getting more and more into it as the years progressed like i started cutting my hair and uh stuff like that but like i was still a total fucking dork with shit tasting music but it was starting to get better like junior senior year that's like the first punk album that i bought for myself with my own money and knew it was punk was uh static age by the misfits okay yeah, I bought that for myself uh, with money from my shitty pizza job that I had. Uh, and and then that's really what got me going with like, and then from that, I got into like New York Dolls and Iggy and the Stooges and uh, Ramones and stuff like, yeah, Misfits were what brought me in for sure. Like as a punk is really cool and I like it a lot. And then I moved to Kent and I could finally do whatever the hell I wanted because there was punk going on in my hometown, but like I would never be able to go because my parents wouldn't let me because the shows were always like on Thursdays or Fridays. <laughs> and they were downtown and they had scary names and like the my parents <laughs> would barely let me would only let me go to fucking hair metal concerts <laughs> so, but uh, yeah i moved to kent and then they were they had shows at Eurogyro, and i saw i remember i saw a flyer in the kent state student union and it was a photoshopped image of john wayne made to look like a street punk and he and it said like uh, you know it had like all this edgy shit written on it like oh, punk ain't dead so step up poser but you know like shit like that and I'm 19 years old so I'm like oh dude I'm gonna go to a punk rock show yeah and then I, so I went and it was on a Monday oh, because uh, it was like a Monday show punk showcase that Gyro used to do called I Hate Mondays um, it lasted that was like my life when I started kind of state and i wasn't in improv yet like i would just go to shows at the gyro and hang out with the bands that played and all the other people that would turn out for it and i was the youngest one there so it was kind of like oh yeah i'm proving to all these big cool punk rock kids and i'm cool too um so i was kind of like the baby for a while until a high school kid started coming to shows too then he became the new baby <laughs> and i was <laughs> just in the scene now but uh yeah i i still remember a surprising amount of that first show um it like uh i used to have the flyer for it but i lost it in a move or the cat destroyed it i don't know but uh it was uh fairhill hooligans 
um, this band called the Goddamn Gallows, who were just starting to really get going. Like they're kind of big now. On the, I was gonna say, I feel like I've heard so, that name. Yeah, yeah, they're they're touring all the time, and they go like everywhere. Um, but like this is when they were like coming up a little bit, starting to do they're doing their first nationwide tour. And uh, then it was oh man, so Hooligans, Goddamn Gallows. I think Coffin Riders played too. They kind of did like a surf punky thing. And uh, they were really gimmicky. Uh, that was like a lot of like, uh, welcome to the scene. Like, we're going to haze you a little bit. Like, it wasn't bad. Like, they weren't like trying to kill me. It was just, hey, new kid, mosh with me. And that was always the band they would pick. Because the Coffin Riders, for some reason, for every show, they would start by getting like two or three pitchers of water and dumping it on the floor in front of the stage. Mere inches from the electrical wiring, mind you, because I'm sure I'm sure Euro <laughs> Arrow loved that. Oh, they absolutely did. Definitely didn't have anything to do with I Hate Mondays <laughs> discontinued. Uh, but like that's what. They, but they would dump water on the floor, and then they would have boogie boards that they would just chuck out there in the pit. And like this is gyro, so the pit's like an aisle. <laughs> <laughs> and and there would be like at any given time up to like a dozen people and they're just slipping around and trying and trying to slide across the floor on the boogie board and then once the floor dried up and get got really disgusting looking that's when the luchador masks would come out and they would throw luchador masks to people you'd put the luchador mask on and you'd look around try to find other people wearing a luchador mask and you'd pretend to wrestle them while they played a song called tijuana tennis shot and uh, well, I, well. I, 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 uh, the one of the, but uh, this wasn't at the first show I went to. The first show, it's just like I was like, wow, and everybody was really cool, nice to me. It was like cool punk rock guys, and I think somebody gave me beer, and you know, that's always cool when you're 19. Uh, so, so I started going back all the time, and uh, that I had the luchador mask put on me as one of the welcome to the scene, motherfucker kind of things. Like, uh, it was me and this guy who played bass in a band called the Killroys. Uh, he put a luchador mask on and just put one on my head from like from behind and like kind of just stunned on. And then he picked me up in like a fireman's carry and started like doing an airplane spin. The floor's still a little wet from the surf set that they always open with. So he starts losing his grip and I'm like hanging off of him. Like my head's maybe eight inches away from the floor and he's spinning. Jesus. And eventually, not people, make me feel comfortable. and people, somebody screamed at him to stop. And so, like he, but the boogie boards from before, they just put him in front of the kick drum because, like every punk band ever, their kick drum was a piece of shit. So they had to prop it up. And uh, so he just kind of like did like this weird like reverse Death Valley driver thing on top of the boogie boards, and I had to like sit there for a minute, like and holy shit. Because <laughs> I thought I was going to die. I was like, "This is it. This is how I'm going to die." <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be an interesting way to go out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, the, uh, so yeah, uh, um, this may be sort of an indelicate question. You mentioned that you said you said surprisingly you remember this one very well. Yeah. Just as a hypothetical guess, I would guess this was during your uh, more sober period of the punk scene. Would that be accurate? Um, no, it was just because I didn't know anybody in Kent yet, so I didn't have any connections <laughs> so, okay. like, at first. But then I started like hanging out with like kind of uh, because like the 
the punk scene in the Kent Akron punk scene at the time was mostly fine. Like there wasn't a whole lot of like scary stuff going on. It was mostly people just drinking too much and like going into somebody's van for 20 to 30 minutes between sets. Um, but you know, it's still punk. So like, I remember going to a few parties where there was scary stuff going on, but it wasn't like really bad, but still by punk, by, by punk standards, there's, I've just been to way scarier seedier punk parties <laughs> so like what is the what is the seediest thing you've seen at a punk like event um there was some dude like i don't know people just like shooting up in the bathroom okay yeah like that was going on and then i remember one time i don't remember i think this was in akron somewhere i don't remember the guy's names or if the, even if they're they, i don't know they might, if they're still alive even but uh, there's this guy who looked like Rocky. So everyone called him Rocky. And he was an asshole. But like he invited me to his car. And I thought there was going to be some like pot going around. And then it was like a tinfoil pipe getting passed around. And I didn't know what that was. Oh. <laughs> and it, it, was, it, was, it was, I think it was smack. <laughs> oh, um, they did not let me have any. <laughs> Because I feel like I remember that being pretty scary. But like, yeah, um, uh, I I remember being like, "Hey, I got some pot." They're like, "Oh, dude, no, we can't put that." In. <laughs> and, and I remember thinking it smelled really weird. But yeah, that that was. And then there's just other stuff like just punks getting rowdy and doing stupid shit. Like um, I don't know, I've seen somebody piss off of a roof. All right. Um, uh, Let me flip the question on you. Okay. What's the most <laughs> wholesome thing oh most wholesome oh that's easy like i don't know first show is pretty wholesome um i remember going to a party at like uh i think it was a feral hooligans one of the feral hooligans house they were that they were nice like they were just like scott punks who like maybe drank a little too much beer and maybe a little bit of powders going around like on somebody's birthday but it wasn't <laughs> like and you know it's northern ohio so that stuff's just mostly baby aspirin so like <laughs> nobody's getting too off their face but like uh i remember one of them like pulled me aside and told me he was proud of me because i was passing school and i was not do hanging out with the shithead guys anymore and that so, oh. and then like he let and so that was kind of cool <laughs> But, uh, and that, you know, there's a lot, because there is a lot of, like, uplifting, like, we're, like, all we have is each other kind of stuff that goes on in punk scenes, but there's also, every punk scene has, like, the CD doing hard drugs, uh, curving on 17-year-old girls type guys. Um, luckily, with thing with, uh, uh, things being how they are now, that's becoming less common, and, like, the second someone finds out you are that guy, you're getting your ass kicked and that's excommunicated and blacklisted and all that. Uh, but, but, but yeah, like, uh, it, look, looking back, like, all the stuff that I did that was stupid wasn't the scene's fault. It was just me being really young and really impressionable and uh, finally being able to do whatever I wanted since I was in college and not knowing what to do with that independence yet. Um. But like, and also like, there's a whole other thing with me. Like I started getting accused of doing drugs when I was like 15, but I wasn't doing drugs yet at that age. 
so, but like people would still like tell me, oh, you're on drugs, blah, blah. and my parents would like check my room for contraband sometimes, and even though and there wasn't anything found, they kept doing that. So like, uh, you know, I guess there was like that idiot, like the punk switch got flipped, like when I was like 17, 18, after I was getting tired of that, I was like, okay, everyone's going to think I'm on, thinks I'm on drugs anyway, fuck it, I'm going to do all the drugs and I'm going to pass school while I'm doing them. And then that's when I got into the idiot stuff that I did for, until I got into improv, basically, Um, you know, like pills and powder type stuff which was very very dark period and i i think like once i got deep enough into that i didn't even go to shows anymore hardly because there weren't any shows to go to at that point probably um but but uh but yeah like that but but, uh i i I, like i said that's not the scene's fault that was just me being an idiot but uh but still punk does tend to attract pretty damaged people sometimes yeah like yeah. a lot of the people you see at punk shows that have their hair the most jacked up and the most studs on their jacket, like those are the ones that are either trying real hard to compensate for the fact that their parents are upper middle class or the ones that are like, I need to like just have my blood be 80% heroin at any given point. <laughs> I mean, out here, out here, and I'm out here where I'm at now, like uh, I, I've been, I haven't been to a shot out here in a while because I, from what I can gather, the scene seems to be in a rebuilding phase in Tulsa which is good because god damn was it ever campy holy shit what do you okay so i know what the word campy means but like when you say that the punk scene was campy what what i mean i mean you walk in you would walk into a venue and uh it looked like 1982 fucking puked in that room like green (laughs) hair leopard print uh studs and patches on everything uh, you know, every chick had like either like just like uh, cat makeup, like Susie Sue, like with the cat eyeliner thing, or they were doing like the I'm gonna draw weird symbols under my eyes and this weird like David Bowie Adam Ant kind of thing. I don't know, like it, it looks, it can look really cool, and sometimes it can look really hot too. Like that's that kind of like that's another thing about punk. It kind of deviated what I like attract, what kind of what I find attractive on, on women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that and that kind of opened some doors for me, but. Uh, <laughs> But but yeah, it was just like and and uh, th- there were a couple hardcore bands, but like it was a lot of like pogo punky kind of stuff where it's like, oh boy, isn't it neat to be punk? Like that's what every song is about: is just drinking beer and spiking your hair and not caring what people think in the most self conscious way possible. That's what it was kind of <laughs> like. Um, but there were still some good bands, and then it was kind of starting to change direction a little bit with a gutter villain. When Gutterville became like the linchpin band of the whole scene out here, um, they were kind of like hardcore, but they still kind of had that goofy beer, 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 woohoo uh, kind of uh, thing to them. Uh, but at the same time, it, they it wasn't sustainable. I mean, for fuck's sake, the band's first album was called Wasted All the Time. <laughs> Do you? And and forgive me if this is an indelicate question, but. Do you, did you start going to less concerts after you stopped drinking? Um, yeah, um, because, but also when I stopped drinking, I was in school. I started going to back to school. Oh, okay. Um, so like uh, I would get tired real easy, and like I just 
um, also shows are a big trigger for me. And I'm worried that if I go to one, if I don't have at least one or two people with me to keep me honest, like there's a very strong chance I'll get really uncomfortable again and just get that itch and start drinking again. Cause, uh, like that, that's, I mean, that's just a personal thing with me. Like I, I have like ADHD and anxiety and stuff. And when I was in at my punkest, like most insane nihilistic punkest, like I was, didn't know that I had that. Um, so like it, so that, so the ADHD just got worse and worse. Cause I didn't know I had it. So I couldn't like get, so I didn't have anyone telling me how to like manage it. And I didn't have any medication. So instead I was just kind of self-medicating with booze and cocaine and whatever else I could get my hands on. Um, so, so that's another reason why shows are a big triggers because I'm used to be off my fucking face at every punk show I ever went to, or at least get on my way to be that way after the show was over. Um, so, so, uh, I did start going to less shows after I quit drinking just cause I was, didn't want to turn back into that again. Um, uh, and also just like the booze and drugs help me deal with people. Cause your average punk show, it's really loud. Everybody's like, yeah, like, you know, no matter how, like, even if you go to like a anarcho punk show, at a fucking hippie commune somewhere or like a library or like a book, used bookstore or something, yeah. there's still that kind of like crusties like the party too. <laughs> that just because <laughs> you're anarchist doesn't mean you stop liking to do the punk party stuff. Um, so like, I'm just mainly, I, as much as I would love to go to shows again, because I do still love punk more than any other kind of music. And that's probably never going to change at this rate since I'm in my thirties and I'm still, I mean, I, I do have a wider array of things that I listen to now, which is, but, uh, still punk's like the main thing. And honestly, like it's when I was going to punk parties when I heard other genres that I ended up liking. Like I was at a punk party when I heard good hip hop for the first time. Like I was at a punk party when I heard reggae for the first time and uh, like folky, well, no, not folky kind of stuff. That's when I started like going away from the scene a little bit and hanging out with hippies. (laughs) (laughs) And now I would much rather go to hippie stuff than punk stuff because, you know, because like punk stuff, like there's always just, there's a lot of, I mean, it's not every scene, of course, but there's still going to be that, like, you don't have studs on your jacket, ergo not punk. Uh, what do you mean you're not drinking? <laughs> you haven't been arrested in the last couple months? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, also I'm in my 30s, I get tired easy. It's fair. But, but yeah, yeah, like, uh, th- that. that's... Uh, that's another thing I like about punk though. It's like, it can, there's a bunch of different ways to be punk. Like you don't have to be like smoking crack in a bus stop bathroom and patching your shoes or whatever to <laughs> like be punk. You can also be punk and just be like cranky older person. Like Henry Rollins is still punk as hell. And that guy then. <laughs> I love Henry Rollins. Yeah, Henry Rollins is fun. Like, I mean, yeah, like, and I mean, even a lot of those bands, like, really, that are like in their late forties to like early sixties, they don't go out every night anymore. They pretend like they still do when they go when they play shows because that's what you're paying to see. You want to see the band play. No one wants to see a band going like, "We're going to play for exactly thirty five minutes, and then we're going to go home and take a nap." <laughs> it's <still> like, <laughs> no, fucking yeah, beer, yeah. <laughs> True. Okay. All right, so I got okay, so I got some questions. All right. Okay. So let's go here. 
favorite punk band or uh, can't do oh, if you can't do absolute favorite like just your top bands top bands for me as far as like what i'm listening to now or just like what got me into it you know um whichever is most relevant well um what i i still love these bands today and all that but uh rancid and the dead boys kind of a strange mixture but that's what got me into it because uh rancid i got into rancid through the fairhill hooligans that uh scott punk band that were like actually wholesome nice guys they just drank a little too much <laughs> they're the ones that got me into rancid because i remember uh the guitarist that i still keep in touch with like he has kids and shit now and like a actual and like a career and all that so i'm kind of happy for him because he's not nice. boozing he still drinks but it's only like uh, hey the kids are at grandma's this weekend dude. like that kind of yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> an acceptable level yeah yeah so like he'll still but and yeah he's yeah man he's he, there's no way hangovers are fun for him because he was older than me and <laughs> hangovers weren't fun for me anymore that's part of the reason i quit three years well almost four years ago now <laughs> but uh but yeah, that's how I got into Rancid because he had like the Let's Go fist tattooed on his hand. <laughs> and like, I was like, what's that? He's like, oh, you want to listen to Rancid? And then he put on Rancid. And like, that's one of the fans that I got way into when I was that age. Uh, and still like figuring out the scene. And then like after that, I would just look at everybody's shirts at the shows. And then uh, with YouTube being a thing, I would just type the names into YouTube. And that's that's how I got into stuff. And to this day, internet's how I get into bands anymore. But uh, yeah, Rancid and the Dead Boys. Like the um, young uh, Dead Boys only have their, they were a first wave band. Uh, they're from Cleveland area. Okay. So, like, uh, and uh, their guitarist Cheetah Chrome has a book out. And like, if you ever read it, he mentions, like, we have been to pretty much everywhere that he mentions when he's <laughs> in the Ohio section. <laughs> oh, nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um, okay. So. Who, who, what is a band or album that another punk may be surprised that you listen to? Um, hmm. As far as like punky kind of stuff, um, I like Taco Cat a lot. Oh, let me rephrase that. Something that is not punk. Not punk. Other, okay. Like, if you mentioned to other punks, this is another band that you listen to, which, what would raise the most eyebrows? Raising the most, I, <laughs> oh man, uh, probably. Oh man, there's, there's so many that that could go. probably <laughs> gorillas. Like I got okay. really into gorillas. <laughs> like gorillas are like. Um, I also like uh, some uh, new wave now. <laughs> and this time you do mean the yeah like... I mean new wave new wave not what they used to call punk when they didn't know what else. To call. <laughs> for for context, like, you, you mean like uh the talking heads and, and yeah talking heads and, um, Lopper and, and stuff like yeah that. Uh, yeah and then like uh, midnight oils oh like, yeah uh, they're they're political in their way midnight oils is like yeah they they raised they had a lot of songs about uh, uh political oppression of Aust the australian aboriginal population and stuff like that, that like uh including one called beds are burning wow. if you uh want, want to listen to that it, it's a one of the most like anarchy like uh fuck the government kind of songs i ever heard but it just sounds like but it's the most australian thing i've ever heard too <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, look it up. It's about how they uh, had to uh, displace a bunch and relocate a bunch of uh, Australian Aborigines from what the, like land that was supposed to be theirs, so they could do nuclear bomb testing. Jesus. Yeah, and they didn't. Inst- they didn't let them uh, get all their stuff, so they just all their houses were still there, and then just. So that's why it's called beds of burning. All right. Yeah. So, so you you mentioned you mentioned um, that you'd be more likely to go to like a like a hippie event nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're mellower. What yeah, are, a little more mellow. Yeah. What are some hippie? What What are some hippie bands you like? Um, I like you know I like a lot of like the classic stuff. Like I like the Dad, Grateful Dead a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, that's pro- I think yeah that's that's entirely because of you actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, and then I like the doors. I like uh, acid, acid rock type stuff. Like not like the jam, like because uh, some of that like acid rock stuff like kind of Brit like straddles the front fence between like being the Grateful Dead and being like Pentagram or Black Sabbath or something. So I think that's really fun. Um, I'm getting it. Have you ever listened to Arthur Brown? Uh, what is it? what songs does, does he do? He did uh, Fire, like. Uh, like it became a hit out of nowhere in the early seventies, but like he used to paint his face. Like he was like the first documented guy who would paint his face. I don't know if I know him. Yeah, but like uh, it, he has a song called "Fire" that's like really like kind of spooky for the time. Like uh, people, like uh, parents were kind of scared of it because he had like this hat with like this crazy pagan symbol on it that was on fire, and he had like corpse paint before corpse paint looking stuff on, and he just did like. Wow basic doorsy sound in blues psychedelic blues rock but it was just it, it yeah it, it look 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 arthur brown up that's another have you thing ever heard, a lot. have you ever heard the band love i have not i i i like this song red telephone you should look it up sometime okay yeah, apparently yeah. they influenced like jim morrison and the doors mm. they're in they're an interesting band uh, also, I like uh, uh, folky kind of stuff. Like my favorite Grateful Dead stuff is like the uh, Working Man's Dead uh, type stuff, like Friend of the Devil and uh, <laughs> uh, Uncle John's Band's pretty good too. Yeah. Um, but but like I, I don't know, like it, I, yeah, that hippie stuff I think is really neat. And I do not to this day I do not understand why and it's only punks that do this hippies do not have hey fuck you punk guys songs like (laughs) like it's only punks that do this like just being vehement like just being just adamantly (laughs) anti-hippie it doesn't make sense to me because (laughs) we have the same politics but like there are you know there are punks that like go that way though i did it like you just mentioned like when you lived on a commune like there would always be like a punk or two around <laughs> like i mean jimmy image hung out with jimmy image was surrounded by hippies when i met him yeah. like <laughs> yeah because that's what happens like you know you get your band breaks up and you hangover suck a little more than they used to so <laughs> stop, <laughs> stop going to shows at bars at 10 o'clock at night and hang out with hippies <laughs> <laughs> And, and hippies are a lot more. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still hippies that can be like pretentious and shit like that. Yeah, but like, no, I, I've never felt like people are angry that I'm in a room with them when I'm with a bunch of hippies. But I have been to punk environments where like everyone's just kind of like give me the side eye, like what the fuck, you know? <laughs> like the first show I went to in Tulsa, like I, I, you know, I've had like spiky hair and like skinnies and patches on shit, but I've never done studs. 
and I've never dyed my hair a different color because I would, I would have to bleach the fuck out of it first, and I don't trust that. Um, yeah, especially, like, uh, apparently Oklahoma City, when I first moved out here, that was the most fashion-y, like, if you don't have studs on your jacket, like, no one's going to be your friend <laughs> type scene. Uh, I just, right. I, I mean, like, when, at my first show, I kind of wrote it off as, well, this is Tulsa. They probably don't get a lot of new people. <laughs> Not a lot of people move here, especially punks. Don't move here. They might come to our festival every year. They're like, who's this dude with no stuff? And then also, he doesn't have studs with the fuck. I mean, like, and, but, uh, but then, yeah, it just kept happening. Like, eventually, people started talking to me. But, like, by that point, I was getting into wrestling. So I couldn't go to shows as much because, like, can't go to a punk show at 10 when you're driving back from the wrestling show in Dallas at <laughs> nine o'clock. Yeah. That would be but, exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I was just like, I can do one. And, and uh, I was like, I can do one or the other. I can do the punk show or I can do wrestling and wrestling was new and had a degree of novelty to it. And uh, so I went that route and uh, yeah, and yeah, but uh like uh trying to think what else i could even say about punk that wouldn't be involved like i've got like a lot of it's pretty fuzzy as far as like my punk experience but you know like i said like the hazing type stuff with the luchador masks and the water on the floor and riders is the bulk okay so i've got okay so i have a couple questions before we wrap up all right uh so if you were gonna recommend an album to a square Mm-hmm. What punk album would you recommend to that square in the hopes that it might get them to listen to more? Um, honestly, probably like the Ramones first record or like uh, Rocket to Russia. Just just Ramones is a good way to go because it's like more accessible to people because I want to be sedated. They still play it on classic rock radio stations. It's true. So like they know and then, and even and they've also probably heard Blitzkrieg Bob in like a soda commercial or something like that because like apparently the rights to get Blitzkrieg Bop is cheap as shit because I don't know how many commercials I've seen. I put it in like everything. It. It's in everything. Again, we can use it to sell everything from cars to Pepsi to like shoes. Wait a minute. Like, isn't it, wait a minute, isn't this talking about people fucking in the back of cars? Yeah, just put the hey-ho, let's go, and then the the da 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 that's all, that's all we need. <laughs> Like we don't need the we don't need the grinding in the backseat generating steam heat part. <laughs> ah, most, the squares don't know what they're saying anyways. It just sounds like British people making noises. They're not British. They don't know. And then, and then yeah, but yeah, like uh, yeah, first two Ramones albums is good, or maybe London Calling. But like, I feel like London Calling is a little too like British politics in the early eighties. For your average square to get into. <laughs> That's fair. Although I do like the. Cl- I feel like I've. I, I feel like I've heard some Clash stuff in like uh, sort of classic rock context, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they definitely. You get a lot of. Uh, they tend to like. Should I stay or should I go? Which is. They have so much oh. better than that one. Like that that's the big one that they play on classic rock. But they all they'll play like the self-titled track on London Calling. I've heard that before. Um every what now and again they'll do like uh, ooh, we're doing deep cuts, and it's not deep cuts, it's just singles that only got over in the UK. <laughs> so it's like I ha- lost in the supermarket 
or something. They're not playing like they're not playing uh, uh, Jenny like Janie Jones or anything like that. Or know your rights, or, or know your rights, or safe European home. Like they're not playing stuff like that, or or even the reggae stuff. They're not even playing that. It's just all like, <laughs> yeah, it's just all stuff off one column mostly. I I have. Like, I have noticed that, like, London Calling is popular to, like, put into, like, action movies either when they want you to think about England or when they just want to give you that, like, punk vibe to whatever's mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, I get it because, like, the bass line's really cool for London Calling. Really and it, like, kind of, and, like, it kind of, like, ooh, I don't know, it's kind of, like, makes you a little nervous when you, when you hear, like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then usually nothing happens. Also, <laughs> It's also, this establishing like, shot of London and inside whatever. Yeah, exactly. I, I think, well, I mean, I think part of it is just like, because like the clearest like part for like people who are uninitiated to listen to in the song is the part where it's like, London calling to the, 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 the. it's like, so like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like it hits the audience like right there with the London calling. Yeah. And it's about political unrest in London because London was like not doing great. Like, well, the UK as a whole wasn't doing great after World War II, and they were still kind of getting stuff less fucked up. And then, uh, which is how punk kind of found really very good footing in the UK because, like, like you can see this in tons of documentaries, usually the Sex Pistols, because yeah. they put the phrase in the song, but no future. Like, that, like an entire generation of young people grew up here and, like, there's no future for you because we were well, the Takamis in the toilet and blah, blah, blah. So, like, they're like, oh, there's no future. Is there? Okay, might as well do whatever the fuck we want then. And then spiky hair, heroin, blah. Yeah, what a, <laughs> what a timeless message. Yeah. And, and uh, yes, to this day, you can go to any old fucking craft store in the country except for maybe hobby lobby and find something that says no future on it probably in like the more edgy section um all i know is now i want to like take something that says no future and sneak it into hobby lobby (laughs) so this so that someone will just be walking through hobby lobby and they'll be like no future what what (laughs) and like if they get the reference it's funny on one level Mm-hmm. They'd be like, "That's pretty edgy for for Hobby Lobby." Or if they don't get the <laughs> reference, it's still like, "That's so depressing, Hobby Lobby." Yeah, there's like, I just came here to buy bedazzled crosses to hang on my wall. <laughs> Woman pushed over the edge upon seeing no future in a Hobby Lobby. Uh, uh, also, Hobby Lobby started in Oklahoma. That's <laughs> Wait, did you guys not have Hobby Lobby before now? No, we got it. It started here. Like oh, Hobby Lobby is in Oklahoma. Here. Yeah, Hobby Lobby is oh. Oklahoma chain. Yeah, <laughs> no surprise with the, with the Jesus is, stuff that they do. That's significantly less surprising than what I misheard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> significant. Yeah I, yeah, I remember learning that and just being like, "Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, actually." The, I, I like the Dead Kennedys. Yeah, Dead Kennedys, those guys are, they are a trip for sure. Like, their music's <laughs> really good. Like, I like that they kind of took the punk formula but added surf rock, but somehow made it not lame. <laughs> like, I can listen to East Bay Ray riffs all day, but if you make me listen to, like, other surf punk bands, I'm like, this is stupid and it doesn't go together and I don't like it. Like, how does the Dead Kennedys do it? But when everyone else does it, it sucks. I don't understand. <laughs> It was just their magic touch. 
Yeah, it's just it, and it also like since it sounded so weird, Jello's voice is just weird. It's <laughs> like so, it fits. <laughs> it's like the guy sounds like that dude's like a fucking cartoon character. Like seriously, I want to meet him so bad. Like I feel that that's one of the only reasons I would go to San Francisco is to just wander around the street and see if I could find Jello like yelling at some guy <laughs> on the street <laughs> about how he, he, by eating Oreos he is perpetuating child slavery or something like that which is probably not so true <laughs> yeah no that is probably, i mean i don't know where i don't know where oreo gets their chocolate but yeah probably yeah yeah like i saw footage of him when occupy wall street was was taken off and other cities were starting to do it too like there's there was a youtube video of jello like in the street and like i don't know if the person talking to him even knew it was jello because he doesn't look like he did in the 80s anymore like he got fat he has long hair now (laughs) he still has he's still playing out too he's got a band called the guantanamo school of medicine of course course. yeah uh, this is as clunky as possible and just delightfully insane enough that you know it's jello <laughs> <laughs> guantanamo school of medicine yeah yeah, yeah he's yeah jello uh <laughs> I, I, like and then like you got guys like uh scott sturgeon or just a crack depending on what period of time you met him in he's he's kind of a cartoon too <laughs> okay okay here's one here's one what um what punk rock individual do you think should get a biopic that is not currently gotten one? Has not currently gotten one. Oh, there's. I mean, I'm sure there's uh, many. I'm sure there's many. But who do you think would be yeah. the, most, the wild? Um, I think, as in terms of like, depending on what kind of move, movie you wanted to make, like you can make a movie about any punk band and just have it be like a regular by the numbers rock biopic um but like i think in terms of if they did it right it could really be kind of cool and also like raise awareness about mental health and substance abuse and punk like you know like just as a crack's a good choice i think like just because like he's burned so many bridges <laughs> i'm sorry can you say that name again uh scott sturgeon like that's his or uh, Stur- uh just sturgeon is what he likes to go by now but like uh when he he's famous when he was got famous through his band's choking victim and leftover crack he was known as Stizza crack okay yeah yeah it was like a five uh, percent nation reference like because he liked Wu-Tang Clan a lot and you know they were all named like Rizza and uh Jizza and all that so he's like I'm gonna be Stizza because my name's Sturgeon <laughs> yeah I want to be a cool guy too <laughs> this guy started a punk band off of his love of the Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> Yeah, and, the, and like, yeah, I, I like, I really like his music a lot too, because uh, he, ska punk and ska, like, I, it's good. I like it, but like, it's so vap. Like, he took it and like, ska punk, ska punk is vapid and, and commercialized now. And like, all the songs are just like, yeah, 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 I love you. Or like, we're having a good time. Let's hold hands. We have a like, trumpet. Yeah, we have a trumpet. Let's all dance. This dance is called something that might. This dance is called a naughty word. <laughs> Let's do that together. And, and, and like, you know, no doubt and sublime and shit like that. And like, uh, they did not like bands like that. Like, Let's make ska, but make it like street as fuck. Because we all live in abandoned buildings and hijack power from 
office buildings down the street <laughs> and like they made sky like this like really like listen to me like really scary sounding thing and i think that's really neat and it's been often imitated but never duplicated like it's a sub sub genre of punk called crack rock steady now <laughs> Like, you know, like the uh, really like shitty guitar tone and like just but really buzzy, like over like hyper bass lines and and you just scream about the government and having scabies and stuff like that. It's kind of like there are a couple bands that do it okay, but like, you know, it's like it's like uh misfits and horror punk. Like the misfits are really cool. Uh cancer slug and like all the bands that are trying to be the misfits fucking suck. <laughs> So leftover crack choking victim good. All these other bands, eh. <laughs> like that, I mean, that is that is honestly the nature of all music. Yeah, no, actually, art. I would say all art, like yeah. like all bad artists, almost always created because um, someone out there was trying to make something that sounded or seemed too much like a really great piece of art. Like that's the thing is that bad art does not typically inspire more bad art. Good art mm-hmm. inspires bad art. Hang on just a second. I got to plug my computer charger in. I understand. All right. <laughs> All right. All right. We should. I need to start wrapping up here, though. Okay. But uh, you know what? I think. I think. So, when I was when we were in college, you mm-hmm. showed me. Uh, you showed me a movie um, that. Is po- like one of the things that I enjoy about about punk stuff is that there's like, in many ways, it's just like tragic comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you, you talk about what? Like a what we do is movie secret? about um, Darby Crash. Yeah, what we do is secret. Yeah. And just the way his story, like, not to spoil it for the people who might want to see that movie, it's it's an all right, it's a solid movie. Uh but uh, just like the the way, the way he, the way his story ended, just sort of like, yeah, the the, the I'm gonna be famous forever by doing this, and it's gonna cement us as legends forever, and then nobody. And then, so like, yeah, so like, he had like the five year plan. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so what was year one? Year one was form the band and then like just kind of be ridiculous with it and like because they were kind of a jokey band at first like they would like dip the microphone in peanut butter and throw it at people or like throw flour around the room just be annoying and obnoxious and then they got good at their instruments and figured let's be a real band instead and they kicked out the people the drummer who couldn't play and got this weird little twiggy hippie guy to play drums <laughs> so and so what was the plan for year two year two was actually like a step like record a record and establish a reputation and stuff like that and then like uh, they were gonna and then keep doing that for a while and then when they were at their hottest break up and was that and, was that supposed to be year three where they break yeah, like you're, you're like three or four yeah and then like break up when they were at their peak and then and then, like, kind of go away for a little while, which he did. He went, Darby Crash went off to England for a couple or like three months or something like that, and just kind of like absorbed stuff out there. And then when he came back, he like had he he was like fat and had a mohawk because he was just eating shitty bar food and drinking beers all the time because that's all you all could afford. Uh, but uh, and then he formed the Darby Crash Band, which was half the germs anyway. So that way, everybody's like. Germs back together if you're gonna do this. What the fuck? 
Uh, they got banned, man, like, and by that point they were banned from a lot of places because uh, LA hardcore has a violent element to it that doesn't get brought up a lot. <laughs> it was like LA punk shows used to be scary to go to, and that was mostly the germs' fault because Darby Crash would get like would just be drunk and on whatever he could get to the point where he could barely stand up. And like if you look at germs live footage, Darby like is barely coherent in doing vocals most of the time the band sounds great like the guitarist and the drummer and the bassist they're great but darby's like like just can't even speak he's that off his head and like the fans are just going up there like drawing on him with sharpie markers because <laughs> like, like, and that's what they became known for is just being like a giant disaster but their album is great like aren't like uh uh gi the one album they put out fucking amazing i still love that album and then like their comp album's good too that has like the singles they put out before they uh, got enough like reputation to make joan jack produce their album. um the uh, and then uh the the last thing was unite the germs for one more show get it to get as much money as possible so i can buy as much heroin as possible so i can shoot up enough heroin to kill myself and then like i will be a legend forever like that david bowie song because <laughs> because that's another thing darby crash loved david bowie david bowie was like his favorite thing <laughs> and also like yeah there's a bunch of, and then like yeah so he they did that they did one more show at i forget where in la but like a bunch of people like flee from the chili peppers was at that show uh some guys from Stone Temple Pilots were at that show, like the mm-hmm. rocky side of grunge band. Like you, you've definitely heard their songs in movies. That's another band that's on oh, soundtracks all the time. Yeah. So, uh, so my understanding is that the uh, the comedic twist, though, is that after he overdoses on the heroin, mm-hmm. his body though is not found until. And correct me if I have the details wrong here. Until the day after John Lennon is shot. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't find him until the day or day after John Lennon got killed. So nobody gave a shit about this weird little heroin addict in L.A. Everyone's like, one of the fucking Beatles got murdered outside of his house. What? (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, and some guy, and, like, the germs didn't even tour him. Like, they never ever left LA I don't think so like nobody knew who they were except like punk rockers who got the album wherever slash records could get somebody to sell it so it was a misguided plan to begin with (laughs) but like uh, yeah that's what he did and then John Lennon got shot and nobody cared except so now it's just like yeah you can like only punks know about the germs nobody outside of the little punk rock slash music nerd (laughs) circle knows about Darby Crash and it, it, oh, man. It's so uh, tragic, this, but still so funny. <laughs> it's yeah, just, no, it's a fucking idiot. I just it's a, it's such an it's such an amazing true story in that in that way. Yeah, 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 he was so Darby Crash was such a tragic guy. Like that's one of those dudes. Like he was gonna die young. Like there's no way he would have well, survived he, to thirty. Like no matter what, because he was. Cause like he, he I like uh, I'm trying to find a copy of it, but I've read excerpts. Like the guy who ran the club that the Germs played at most often wrote a book about him, and then like Don Bowles and Pat Smear and uh, Lorna Doom would like contribute. 
uh, like uh, quotes to it, but uh, like, yeah, Darby's uh, life was not good. Like he was a fucking basket case because of all the trauma he had. Like, like his mom was kind of like this drunk deadbeat idiot who just like would bring a new stepdad home all the time. So he didn't have any consistency there. Uh, his older brother, his older half brother died from, also died of a heroin overdose so that's probably where he got the idea to start doing it <laughs> and then like his like the person who's who his mom always told him was his dad wasn't actually his dad and like his sister one of his sisters told him that when she was mad at him and that's how he found out he was like a teenager at that point so that screwed him up and then like there's a lot of evidence to show that he was gay and heavily heavily closeted <laughs> Because that's another thing that they don't tell you about the L.A. hardcore scene in the sec- in the early 80s. A lot of just homophobic shitheadery going on at those shows. Like, just because that, that, because since, like, punk, the hardcore sounds more, like, like aggressive, uh, punks liked it because it's loud and fast and aggressive. But, you know, who else liked it? Meathead bro idiots who just wanted an excuse to perv on punk chicks and elbow some people in the head in the mosh pit because la pits are terrifying <laughs> like to this day la pits are terrifying any stupid mosh behavior you can think of probably started in la <laughs> like, during that period and they still do it <laughs> like uh crowd surfing i think started in la this uh wonderful thing called a pylon i don't know if you've ever heard of this but a pylon is like a pit's going and then there's people on the outside of the pit who don't want to be in the pit because you know why yeah because they they, because why would you after you like if you're any older than 23 and still going into pits like how (laughs) like how do you just like do you not have a job like what how do you how do you you think throwing yourself in a pit to is is a good idea but like pylons when you run as fast as you can and then just kind of jump and push yourself over the shoulders of people who do not want to be in the pit so you can get in the pit and crowd surf that way, which is stupid because if you stage dive to crowd surf, people see you and therefore will catch you and then hand you around until someone can put you down. If you pile on, no one can fucking see you because you're not in in plain sight because of where the action is happening. You are coming from the exact opposite direction. So no one knows you're coming. And so the people who are you're posting off of are going to hate you. And then people in the pit are going to hate you because they didn't see you coming. <laughs> so you're probably going to knock some people over, kick somebody in the face. Like anytime I've ever seen like someone get a bloody nose or like some poor like t- high school girl with like blue hair getting batter get a black eye or something in a pit it's been because someone's done a pile on <laughs> i mean it sounds like a terrible idea yeah it's like like i said it's one of those things that the la scene developed um and uh because yeah they were just really violent shitheads at that at those shows but no one talks about it in those fucking doc in one of the like ninety thousand documentaries about la hardcore in 81 8 through 84 like you never hear like oh yeah and uh biker gangs were the security for this because actual security firms didn't want to work hardcore shows for very obvious reasons <laughs> and the police would come in and break up the shows a lot because biker just kind of know how to fight and a lot of biker stop punks were dickheads because most punks because most bikers are like vets 
and your average punk enjoyer at that point was like fuck the military like fuck war the military industrial complex is bad dead kennedys have a sorry about it so like they're just they're just looking to bash heads too so that's so shit would get out of hand and like you know like so yeah so darby crash being gay in not just a band in that scene the band in that scene and the germs were together they were the hardcore band and then like you had like because black flag was kind of meandering away from hardcore by that point uh because that was getting to the rollins years and they started being more experimental i mean people still love black flag we obviously go to black flag shows but like the germs became like a doll band and then uh you know closeted gay guy singing for him of course he would be terrified about thinking that anyone would find out which is probably another reason why he got really screwed up because he's like i don't know who knows like i might have told somebody better get real fucked up so if someone tries to kick my ass i don't feel it <laughs> and, the, and the, people think that's another reason why he killed himself because he didn't know what to make of that information and apparently and like one of the songs on their comp record has a reference to that that like you can find like a little easter egg like hey guys i'm gay and uh, but but yeah like even to this day there are just meathead jock like jock punk jockey punk assholes We're like Dirty crush wasn't gay I'm like dude yeah he probably was though because another thing they found his suicide note and like he had like a boyfriend basically because it said like give my leather and all of my stuff to bosco like it was like the drummer and the Darby crash band or something but uh and i mean when you listen to him talk he kind of has like a really like soft like effeminate like really like it kind of sounds like like when i heard him it's just like he sounds like he's posturing way too hard to like he's like he's saying all this like yeah man who cares i'm hardcore it's like it just kind of sounded forced it's like there's something going on here and then i then i read into it it's like he's gay probably actually gay and that it's like and he was just scared of someone finding out so he was just like you know putting a beard on and basically going like i'm I'm, I'm darby crash i'm tough That makes a lot of sense for that time period, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like punk, it's just that you'd have that bands like that going, and then you'd have the misfits going who were singing songs about like B movies and <laughs> like uh, they had like uh I, I like the misfits earlier output better. Like when, l- I, l- when I first listened to the misfits, I was surprised because they they reminded me so much more of the Ramones than mm-hmm. I expected. Yeah, um, one like their really early stuff, like the um, it was at first it was just like, like a drummer, Jerry only playing bass, and then Glenn Danzig singing and playing keyboards. That's how it started, and like they had like two songs from that era. It's like cough, cool, and chi. I think maybe like if that uh, like that that like that was their first thing they ever put out. And then they put out some like another single and then they put out Static Age. And that's when they started kind of like being like more punk with it. But uh, they still would use like Danzig's really into, especially back then, he was really into like putting in like really, really dissonant distortion in there and then playing shit like uh, jingly shape chords. Because it would be like sound really fuzzy and and dissonant. He was really into that. But like, yeah, if you look at Misfits lyrics, like, they all reference like B movie, like goofy B movies, and uh, 
they have a song called like that references to horror comic books that like from like Italy and stuff like that. Cause Danzig is just like underneath it all. He's just a fucking nerd. Like that dude, like he likes old, old anime. He likes <laughs> B movies from like the forties and fifties. He like, he lives in Lucille Ball's old house now. That's interesting. Yeah. He bought that. Like Danzig, like he probably like, place like well i mean the misfits make so much money just off merch like he's probably i mean yeah that that fucking skull is everywhere yeah that skull is everywhere like i've met people who don't know the misfits are a band they just think the shirt looks cool and like i don't feel bad about it anymore because it does look cool oh yeah no yeah no like totally like you see kids wearing them all the time it's in all over hot topic yeah still to this day you can get you i got a misfit shirt i lost it but like i got i got a a misfits t-shirt fucking target like, like that's how like everyone like everyone carries misfit stuff now but like uh i i, I like their like uh they once uh walk among us came out and they were on like their fourth guitar player at that point like that's when they really became like okay now we're just like a straight ahead punk band we're not trying to be art arty on top of it anymore <laughs> and that's also when the lyrics started being just really like basic like it wasn't like uh because danzig really liked bukowski a lot i just oh, I, I just found this out and looking at this early lyrics like they're just like shitty poems like there's not really a hook <laughs> to any of them he just kind of shouts the name of the song or something or like it's just a refrain <laughs> that's kind of similar but like when they st- after walk among us that's what he's like oh zombies zombies aliens like stuff like that like that's when that got cemented was with that and they kind of just did that forever and they kind of went hardcore at the end so it'd just be really fast angry riffs and then just be like well song's about blood and like the lyrics just become like it's some of the songs like it's straight up didn't write it write them down they just kind of he just had an idea and they had the riff and riff stuff figured out so he just went in a booth and did it like the song like the misfits song that everybody quotes because metallica covered it green hell there there aren't correct lyrics to green hell (laughs) danzig does not know the lyrics to green hell (laughs) because danzig didn't write lyrics to green hell he just went in the booth and just said stuff (laughs) is that wait isn't that is that based off that cannibal holocaust movie um there's a bunch of theories because misfits fans are also fucking dorks that's fair <laughs> like, like um the uh, there is a there's like a pulp uh like b like the book version of a b movie called uh, the the this decline of man i think is what it's called and one of the stories in the decline of man is called green hell um but it has, that's not what the song is about. I, I, I bet you, like, I bet anything Danzig had that book and they saw Green Hell before he even realized, like, oh, Green Hell. Yeah, it's really cool. We were a song called Green Hell. And then, like, yeah. I think there's a survival video game out now called Green Hell about being stranded on an island. Yeah, the story uh, is apparently about, like, a plane crash and, like, the people who survived were in the middle of, like, this jungle or, like, forest or something. And it's about them surviving. Like, it's a survival uh dystopian survival story kind of like yeah but like uh, you know like uh, yeah listen to green hell sometimes it's just just gibberish for part of it and like he just (laughs) yeah he just went in with he had green hell in his head and like it just he was just shouting stuff like uh 
like like uh, there, it, there's, it's heavily disputed if like the first line is like uh here in this place and and some people here in this place and then like the next line is some people think it's lies the key to your end and then some people think it's lies the genie of death oh. i think it's i think it's key to your end <laughs> Because that makes more sense. And Danzig's like, he was making it up off his head, but he's still Danzig. Like, that guy is so pretentious. You think he's going to play genie of death? Key to your end. That seems like something Danzig would say. <laughs> Even though this is chest beating bro misfits and not, hey, we're the misfits. The song's about uh, the movie we saw one time on TV at three in the morning. Here's a song that's a comic book that I got translated by my weird friend rick and he said (laughs) that's why and uh, they have another song about it that and then like if you look at danzig interviews because like especially now the misfits are this big cultural thing that everybody knows about even if like they haven't listened to them he claims like oh no i made that up it's like no but it's verbatim clearly about this comic book no no that's not that's not what it's about it's about violence man all righty unfortunately we are running out of time and my battery is about to die yeah my, mine isn't doing so great either and, and yeah if i go off on a silly glenn danzig tangent we'll be here all day that's fair maybe another time yeah. all right once again ladies and gentlemen and everybody in between and outside the box please uh thank you for coming to listen to me and my friend gato here uh Gato, say goodbye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) All right, everyone have a great day and or evening or night or afternoon.